river's full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks, the elk call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. Good morning, America, and welcome to the TradQuest podcast. James Orr here. And joining us as always, Bob the Bowhunter Borland. What's going on, Bob? Oh, not much. Just uh, had to wrestle you up out of bed early this morning to do one. I've been at work all week, so it's perfect. We got James up early. <laughs> I'm not a morning person, folks. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yep, it's uh, 5.30 a.m. here, and... Uh, yeah, we've been working a lot, so recording a podcast before work today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what's uh, what's been going on with you, Bob? Not much, man. We've been busy. A lot of camping trips, a lot of shoots this summer with the fam, and yeah, Longbow Safari was awesome. Yeah, heck yeah, Longbow Safari, Comptons, Pope Ooh. Young. I just went to Pope Young. You. You were not at Pope Young. Uh, you were doing more important stuff, I, I was hoping. Yeah, I didn't get, and, get as much scouting done as I wanted, but that's yeah, so what that was a, when you have two girls with you. Yeah, I was with Bob's like, I'm going to go to Heart Mountain and do some scouting while you go to Pope and Young. I thought, yeah, I don't Andy said, yeah, he won't do much scouting while he's there. <laughs> no, I didn't get much done. Didn't help that the kid got a cold second night she was up all night she doesn't like it when her nose isn't working so that kind of killed us yeah for sure so elk hunting is what 20 20 days away i think yeah yeah so we figured we'd uh we'll just do a little podcast today kind of on our plans and what we've been doing to prep and kind of our scouting i know you uh our scouting is going to be a little different because you live right where you're going to be hunting, and I'm hunting several states away. So we figured we'd just go over that a little bit, and we haven't done one, recorded one of these in a while. We've been doing them all in person at the shoot, so make sure our computers can link up again. <laughs> yeah, so like Bob had alluded to, uh, I'm just a peasant, and I'll be hunting these <laughs> poor elk here. In the brush on the Oregon coast. Why Bob is off doing bigger and better things in beautiful elk states like Arizona and Nevada. Why don't you tell <laughs> us a little bit about what you got going on there, Bob the Bow Hunter? Well, I got lucky and drew some tags this year. And, uh, yeah, so I'm starting in Nevada and I'll be down there for three weeks. I think the season's about three weeks and then my Arizona hunt starts kind of, they overlap a couple days, but then my Arizona hunt starts and it goes for a couple weeks until the 28th of September. So yeah, I got to take off August 23rd and I don't have to be back to work until September 30th. So that'll be nice. And uh, yeah, so should be a good year. I don't know. There's a forest fire or a fire right now of course in one of my units so that's great a lot of fires out west which sucks so hopefully that stuff dies down before we get over there 
So yeah. So what what kind of stuff are you doing to prepare for hunting these states that I know you've been to but haven't exactly put your boots on the ground in these exact locations? Well, um Nevada, as you said there I've I've deer hunted I, I drew kind of a set of units, so I've deer hunted part of that country and then I've I spent three weeks down there elk hunting with my dad and brother, kind of the next set of units over in 2011. So pretty confident in that one. Um, just kind of knowing what will probably be going on. I also, when we were down there elk hunting, we met a couple locals. One of them had the tag and they kind of hunted with us. So I got a couple little local connections down there. I've been talking to those guys. Um, so just for our listeners that always pays when you're out there in the field seeing other hunters always sucks and you want to just you know be angry at them because maybe they're screwing up your hunt or whatever you know nobody likes to hunt where there's other people but sometimes it pays to be nice so so that's definitely paid off huge um had uh a guy get a hold of me through instagram also i don't know if he wants his name on here but so i won't say it but he's been a huge help he actually had the tag last year so I've gotten a ton of intel on my Nevada hunt, um, which is great. I ha- I didn't go down and scout this year just because I've had such a crazy summer, and I feel like it would have kind of taken into, you know, if I would have ran down and scouted for a week, Mama wouldn't have been so happy about me going the whole three weeks. So I kind of saved my time to hunt. I'll get over there a couple days early and uh, just kind of ease into it. So it's... Uh, a desert unit so water holes a lot of the guys have talked to that have hunted it I've talked to like five or six guys that have hunted it within the last six years or so and water holes are definitely effective you know it doesn't sound like bugling till the last week there is real good because it's so hot so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a little different than our standard you know hunts we do around here but it's good. I like kind of having that option to hunt water and do some other things when they're not all fired up, you know, personally. So, so is it going to be besides a water hole, um, tree stand set up? Is there going to be some spot and stocking going on? Yeah. Um, for sure. I'm, you know, I'm going to try to kill a big bull. So I'm not really going to just. And I might be making a mistake. I'm not going to just randomly set up a ground blind or tree stand. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get over there and look for, uh, just try to find a big bull glass. And, and then if I find a big bull and he's water in a certain area or whatever, then I'm, you know, I'll have a ground blind and a tree stand or whatever I need with me. It sounds like it's kind of ground blind country. So I'll have that with me just kind of in my, bag of tricks and obviously if I'm nothing's working out I can always do that but I just figured you know the chances of me just randomly setting up a blind at a water hole and having a giant bull come in probably aren't great if I'm going to be hunting a big big one you know what I'm saying so that's kind of my plan I got a couple areas guys have told me um and uh yeah, I got some really good intel on that one. I'm super pumped about that. So I should be chasing some big bulls around. So that's kind so of my you're plan. Not, you're, not, 
You're not bivying in 20 miles or? No, there's road. It's all BLM country. There's roads everywhere, you know. So it'll be, uh, my, my dad and mom are actually going cause, uh, kind of helped him out on his hunt. So he's going to come bring his trailer, the RV. And we're going to stay in that. It's going to be sweet. I'm able to bring my daughter because grandma can kind of watch her while I'm out hunting. So uh, Ava's going to come over there with me for at least a couple weeks. And then they'll they'll go home the end of the second week and I'll stay there for that last week if I need to. And then probably go from there to Arizona depending on where we have to take the meat out. But yeah, my plans is kind of be mobile. Uh do a lot of glass in the start until I find a big one and then do whatever I got to do to kill him, I guess. Get lucky. How many, uh, how many other hunters have a tag for uh, these eels? I think there's, uh, I want to say 40, around 40 altogether. There's like five non-resident tags and, and then the rest are resident somewhere in there. Probably a few landowner tags in there, so. So some pressure, but not too much. Yeah, it? yeah, it's it's a pretty big area. It sounds like it's another reason I'm not super pumped about the water holes. You know, like one of the guys talked about, you know, kind of needing to get over there early and put your blind up and, you know, kind of like the water hole fight. fight. Yeah. Water hole fight, yeah. But, but that was in a certain part of the unit. I've talked to guys that have hunted the area I'm kind of going to, and it doesn't sound like there was any of those issues, so. So yeah, if I find a good one, I'll definitely do it, especially since I'm bringing my daughter with me. It's, you know, be fun to go out for evenings and have her sit with me and see some elk coming in. She'd love that. So totally. And so transitioning to Arizona, you're, you'll be done with Nevada around the 15th. Yep. Oh, uh, I think Nevada season closes the 16th and. Arizona's opens the 14th, I believe. So okay, yeah, right in there. Well, they sh- they should be bugling pretty good by then. Yeah, yeah. Usually, you know, the second week's always better. They say too, even in Arizona. But but by the end, yeah, then we'll be down there chasing bulls, kind of like we're used to. So that'll be good. and that'll be you, your dad, and your brother, right? Yep, yep. We all have tags, and that unit's another giant unit and uh so that one's i've gotten a little bit of info from a couple guys from arizona but we didn't get a ton on that so kind of going into that one blind so what we're going to do is we're actually doing a little side job next week there's a guide down there that kind of does one of those like scouting packages or whatever you know so we're probably gonna have him do that for us just to kind of help us out, you know, basically figure it gives you a little bit of local knowledge, kind of like what I've got in Nevada. So the last time I hunted Arizona, I went down there seven days early just by myself and scouted it and thought I had it all figured out, you know, well then all the people and the pressure shows up and the elk move and then you fit figure we spent I mean, literally, we probably spent six or seven days just, like, re-resetting what the heck we were doing, you know. And when right. you only have a two-week hunt and you wait ten years to draw the tag, I'm hoping by uh, 
this guy helping us out. We're kind of like, hopefully we'll be in it from, you know, the first couple of days and not waste half the hunt, you know, screwing around. And that's even when I could go down there a week early and scout. And obviously I won't be able to do that this year because I'll be in Nevada. So I think it'll be a good move. I have to. Hopefully he doesn't sell that scouting package to too many people. Oh, he's, he's not gonna. <laughs> he's, he's, he said, he says we're the only, only ones. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's, so. that's what, that's what she said. Yeah. Well, whatever. I mean, it just kind of give us a couple little spots to start. Oh with. yeah. For sure. So that's kind of, so, and that hunt kind of, there, there is some tanks and so and so. So there's, the water options there too, but I think we'll be just, just be getting up and glassing and chasing bulls, and, you know, calling obviously if we need to and etc. So, um, yeah, we do a lot of glassing in Nevada, so that's a little different for elk. So I got my 15s. I got some some of those Vortex 15s a few years ago, 15 by 56s set up on a tripod. So that's kind of going to be my. I'm go to, I think. Nice. Yeah. Um, so no hunting in Oregon for elk this year. Nope. I don't know if I'm even going to buy my tag. It'd be weird to be the first year I haven't bought an Oregon elk tag in a long time. Well, ever probably. Since I was 11 when I couldn't buy one. Nice. Yep. So, uh, maybe we go over a little bit of gear that, uh, okay. You know, as far as what you're using yeah. and uh, if you've got it all together yet or what that looks like. Yeah, so um, luckily here in Oregon, I've been kind of hunting the same kind of country the last few years, kind of the desert. So so something that I got last year, which is just a game changer for me, is I bought those uh, Kuyu 135, the zip-off long john bottoms. Yep. And so they have a full zip down each side. So you don't have to take your pack off, your boots, nothing. You just pull down your drawer, zip them off. And, man, that's just a game changer. And then I bought a couple pairs of shorts. So I'll actually – I wear shorts, like, all the time. I just – in the mornings, I'll put those long johns on underneath. And then when it gets hot, I take them off, and they, they wad up into the size of a, you know, smaller than a softball. And I can throw them in my pack, and I'm good to go. So that's – that's huge. I got another pair of those on their kind of clearance. Um, they're a size too big, but they were half price. So <laughs> I went <laughs> the heck with it. Always on a budget, you know? And, uh, so those were kind of big deal for me last year. I also got, they have a pair of the, their lightweight pants are called, uh, Tiberio. Yeah. And they have like holes in them basically. I mean, they're really, Really nice for the desert. Cause that's the thing, man. You get out there, there's no shade. It is, it is hot. So. Yeah. Um, I got those Tiburon pants. Like they don't even weigh anything. They're almost like yeah. they're made out of paper. Exactly. Yeah. And it makes a big difference. You know, even though there's roads everywhere, just like the places out in Oregon, you know, I don't, you know, we, I have side by side this year. That's awesome. But it's like those things, you know, deer and elk hear that. Here you're coming from miles on those things. So even if I park somewhere to glass, I'm parking a long ways away and hiking, you know. So you'll be out there, and there's a lot of times I'm three or four miles from my 
truck or the side by side or whatever, by the time the elk quit calling or I'm done chasing them, which is usually pretty early in that country, I mean it gets hotter and crap, so they're they're dying down at nine, ten in the morning by far, and so hiking back is always a you know sweat fest when it's no shade and ninety degrees. So I think I've got that figured out. It's and I just wear you know I've been wearing those Hoka trail running tennis shoes the last couple of years. They're kind of like they're like walking on pillows. So uh yeah, I get I still got to go get a new pair. I buy a new pair every year right before season. And uh and then I as far as gear, that's about it. Like I said, I'll be using my I got some 15 by 56s and I'll be using those. I don't have a good spotting scope, but the old man does and I'll be using his while I'm there. Those are so dang expensive. But he's got a good Leica one, so if I need that. But elk are usually, I mean, you can tell yeah. a pair of 15s if bull's big or not from a mile away, you know. Totally. And, uh yeah, and then I got. You can I'm, tell with your own eyes that a bull's big, <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I got, you know, yeah. I got the bow set up. I got, got the little wolfer, which will be nice if I do need to hunt out of ground blind or whatever. It's shooting, shooting great. You know, I'm shooting those, uh, Sherwood shafts Andy makes me and I'm ready. What are you gonna, what are you gonna run on the business then this year? I think I'm gonna stick with those, the wikis. They just been, they've been working good the last couple of years. I just, you know, I was talking to Carson and he's kind of had the same issue. It seems like you get a pack of six of those and there's a couple of them that you just can't, like there's, can't get real sharp. It's kind of weird. Kind of mess with them and mess with them. And, and he had the same, he's been having the same issue. So I don't know what's going on. If the Zwickies have always been like that, I've just started shooting them. So I was thinking about switching to those ace ones, but I think I'm just going to stick with the Zwickies. They've been working good. So I'll get a few more of those. Andy does have, uh, some of those ace ones he's going to give me just to try out. So you never know, but. Yeah, I'm just gonna stick with that. That eight a standard is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just shoot 125 grain heads on there. Oh man, what the what the FOC, Bob? Yeah, I don't know. Sure, it could be better, but I'm getting perfect arrow flight. You know, just they fly so perfect out of that bow. So I'm not messing with anything, and. uh when you walk up on your dead animals, do they cry about not getting hit with a higher FOC? Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. That's the big buzzword in the last couple of weeks I've noticed on social media. It's uh, FOC everything. Uh, everywhere yeah. you look. Hey, Ed Ashby's been on every podcast this week, but yeah, it's crazy. It's like uh, it's the it's the buzzword. Well, I'm not going to argue with that guy. That guy knows killed a thousand more animals no. than I have, so. Heck yeah, I mean that's a that's a lot of research. It's just kind of funny. I'm 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 just making light on it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's about it. But man, it's coming fast. We only got a couple weeks, so it is kind of last minute. Get everything ready. So uh, like I said, I ordered a couple things, but other than that, I think I'm I'm ready to rock. How about you, man? Yeah, man, I'm just uh, getting super. Super jacked up here. Uh, I've got to, I guess, tell the listeners that I'm gonna, 
don't know if I'm going to barbecue this crow or deep fry this crow. Either which way, I'm eating crow. <laughs> uh, I, I bought a warehouser pass. Oh man! So I thought, that uh, I thought you said you would never do that. I believe you said that last year. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to barbecue <laughs> some crow, maybe deep fry it. Uh, I put got a lot of pressure from my boss. Um, we work uh, on the on these tree farms, and it's tough. It's almost like you're scouting, but if you don't have the pass, you don't get a hunt. And it's, I think it's like 170 or 180,000 acres that butts up to the 90,000 acres of state that I hunt. So it really like just makes my area get three times bigger, two times bigger, right? You know, right where I'm hunting. Nice. Hopefully you can find a dumb one in that much country, huh? I'm, I'm looking for a real dumb one for sure. Uh, I've kind of gone off to backpack hunting in Eastern Oregon the last couple, three years and I'm going to stay home and hunt Roosevelt's and embrace the brush. Yeah, that's for sure. How's the fire danger going down there? I mean, I know people from not around here, they'll, they shut down the woods when it's uh, bad down there. Have they shut it down yet? Yeah, it's level three, so when it goes level four, they'll shut down. So we're teetering, and we're early on a level three, so it's not looking good. Um, so, yeah, if we go level four, that'll shut down all the private timber companies, and we'll be stuck to um, public land anyway. So that's kind of the name of the game down here, and it is pretty dry and crispy and we had some rain in the forecast, but it kind of petered out and been seeing lots of elk at work and the bulls are in the velvet and it's, just, it's a kind of an exciting time. So when they shut down those timber companies, is it just everybody and their brother on the what's left, what's open, the state land or the, the public land, I guess you could say? Is it just packed yeah. with people? I think the public does get, um, obviously gets increased pressure, but a, a lot of people from here don't want to hunt the brush. And so a lot of bow hunters like to go to Eastern Oregon or, you know, another state. And so I think when stuff closes down, a lot of guys start looking to leave town and go east. Yeah. So you get a lot of that. Um, I think that a lot of guys don't care for the public because the lack of clear cuts, the lack of ability to, to glass up elk. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's so what Dan, gotta, Danny said when he came up here black to help me. He said, man, his clear cuts are a huge deal down there. Everybody just sitting on clear cuts. And, uh, yeah, oh, we yeah. Don't, we don't they have them fight over. Yeah. Yeah, they fight over them and, or you can pay three hundred and fifty dollars to to get you into an area with lots of them. Yeah, supporting those timber uh, companies. What do they have? I think they sell twelve hundred passes down here for this uh, unit, and they and I'm number three ten. So it it looks like it wasn't as popular to buy the pass at this point. Wow, no kidding! Is uh is Andy going down there with you for to hunt? 
Um, I think he says he's going to go east. Uh-oh. But he said he might try, try to make it down here. But I know op- opening week he said he's going to go east. All right. Nice. He's going to take his, take his family and whatnot. And yeah, so I think you guys, if you don't got your arrows built yet, you, you think you're too late to have Andy over at Addictive Archery build the arrows, unfortunately, unless you're a whitetail hunter and you need something by November. And if that is the case... <laughs> You might want to get a hold of uh, Ponce. Yeah, I think he um, might. I think he like if you got some carbons or something, he could probably whip you some of those out. I think, but I'm not. Don't quote me on that. But still, call him yeah. and bug him just for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it, but he can take care of everything else as far as broadheads and and blunts. And hey, if you want to build your own, I I build my own arrows. And I just hooked up with Andy, oh, I think eight or nine days ago, and I got, uh, you know, a bag of feathers and some glue and some knocks and some points. And, you know, I just get all my arrow making supplies from Andy. And then he's got a YouTube video that shows you how to do it. And so that's always an option for you guys who build your own or want to build your own, you know, just get a hold of Andy and he'll set you up with all the components that work together and then you can put in the the time. Yeah. Yeah. Addictivearchery.com, right? So Yeah, yep. And so while we're while we're plugging sponsors here, uh I'm waiting on my new Kefaro backpack. Uh I don't know, I guess Snyder's been busy. I'm excited to uh, to get it and get it broken in, but I still have my 22 mag, and I've been putting that sucker on with a little bit of weight and wearing it around a little bit, so I'm kind of ready there. Yeah, heck yeah. This is going to be my first year with a good pack ever, <laughs> so it'll, it'll be nice. Won't have to use the old Camp Trails pack frame this year for the first time. I'm pretty excited. You yeah, know, that, that you know you're a hillbilly when that's well. all you've ever used. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always figured you more of a purse guy. No, no. <laughs> I do have one of those little haversacks, those little Fred Asbell haversacks. It's kind of a man purse, but guys make fun of me. But that thing's pretty slick, you know. If you're just gonna go for a little quick, quick hunt, man, you could throw a little water in there, all your goodies. And take off. Actually, I had my buddy that I hunt with. He hunt, he's a big compound guy, and he was like, you know, looking at that, making fun of me. And then at the end of the season, he's like, "Hey, man, where'd you get that thing? I want to get one of those." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Ha, yeah, I told you, yeah." So, heck yeah. I still need to get some more um, reeds for elk calling. I mean, I have some, but I need to get a couple backups. I, I go through them a lot, like I. Not for cow calling, but for bugling, I put a lot of pressure on the reed and I blow them out. So I kind of have to have like about 10 of them to get me yeah. through September. Yeah. And even, you know, it seems like I call less and less anymore, especially hunting the desert, but <clears throat> I always have, I try to always have one in my mouth because just a lesson learned for our listeners a few years ago, sitting in a tree stand, you know, first week of season, it's hot, you know. Didn't have a call in my mouth. Didn't even think about it, right? I'm not calling. It's early season. And a, a bull comes in, a real nice bull. And I, it walked right by on the trail, but 
I didn't have my call in my mouth to stop, but I would have killed that dang thing, you know? And yeah. so I always try to have, even, even if you're sitting in a tree stand or whatever, I mean, if you're elk hunting, have a call in your mouth, have a reason it's true, man. just to stop them. Cause that, I, I can't tell you how many times that that's paid dividends. Well, maybe didn't pay dividends, but at least turned a, an encounter into a close encounter. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I can think now, like, uh, I was pushing through some really thick salmon berries down in the creek bottom. Uh, it was on an old skid trail and I had the wind in my face and there was these two bulls walking in my direction. I could see their antlers, but it was all just a really fast, like there they were. And they kind of like, they couldn't smell me. They couldn't see me, but they kind of heard me and they weren't sure what I was. And they just stopped and went to turn around to take off. And I had that reed in my mouth and I grabbed my tube and I pulled it up and I gave them a big grunt. And those bulls turned around and did a little circle and came right to me. And then you missed fast. I, I drew back. <laughs> I drew back at like eight yards on this five point that was coming down the trail and he was walking at me frontal and I was at full draw and he was frontal walking right at me. And I was, you know, debating on the frontal shot. And then behind him was this hog seven by seven boss daddy monster bull. And I don't know, I think right when I seen him, I kind of like made a movement and they both turned and burned and the fever came on and I just, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but it was awesome. Elk, elk fever, that's what happened. I love it. Elk fever happened. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, it doesn't always pay dividends, but it can turn an encounter into a close encounter because I think with elk sounds, obviously you have to know to make the right sound, but it, they're always, it's always timing sounds. And if yeah. you can get the right sound slid into that situation at the right time, you can really uh, stir up some action. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah. I'm, and here in the brush, I mean, calling is the main strategy. I mean, being able to glass them in a clear cut would be nice, and I have done a little bit of that for sure. But it's mostly uh, looking for sign and and locating through sound. Yeah. Yeah, that makes it tough when they're not calling. <laughs> yeah, and go, then you're going just by fate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, faith, and so it's... Uh, it's awesome, man. I mean, I just can't wait. I've already, you know, working in the woods, been seeing the elk, and we've been taking some elk naps already. So I'm getting, I'm getting ready for that. And What's, uh, did sh- you settle on your bow? Well, yeah, I'm shooting, uh, Liberty longbows, Alan Boyce, his new chief. I've been shooting it all summer. Um, I've played with some Tolkien bows throughout the summer. Um, I actually have another Tolkien coming. It'll, it won't be here in time to even consider. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm set, man. I'm shooting this chief, 64 inches, uh, about 53, 54 pounds at 30 inches at my draw, uh, 75, 80 Sherwood shafts, four fletch. I'm going to run the Grizzly because it hasn't let me down yet. 
Yeah, that bow, it shoots good. I shot it too. I was like, ooh, that's, that shoots like a dream too. Too many awesome bows out there. That's one thing that we saw a lot of in our travels this summer is, man, it's just a lot of sweet bows out there. Yeah. <laughs> just can't have again, enough. Yeah. There was thousands of bows. I, yeah. I could, I never seen so many bows. I was just like, no, don't shoot any of these bows. Yeah. Well, and then the one that Trent made for uh, Drew with the old school camo limbs, I was like, oh, man, that thing is so sweet. That oh, looks sexy. To, yeah, no, I need to call Trent. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm a one-bow guy, but I'm like, oh, that. Yeah, that's like, that thing is awesome yeah. for sure. Yeah, I've been shooting broadheads. Uh, we've been to two broadhead shoot. Well, I've been to two broadhead shoots, which I think really helps a ton. And I've been shooting broadheads every night and they're flying just pure clean. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm all kinds of jacked up. Uh, it's first time in since I started hunting that I don't have a blacktail tag in my pocket. That's right. Yeah, we're going to. We drew, you conned me into burning all my points, and we drew a, a little rut mule deer tag for Oregon, which should be, be an epic hunt. I don't think yeah, we're going to kill any monsters, but it'll be an epic hunt. It'll be super fun down in the desert. So that's November. Should it be, it's a special place, and, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a super good hunt. It's going to be actually our first hunt together. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Heck don't yeah. worry, I get up I get up early from mule deer. Yeah. I'm a little bit I like just don't talk a <laughs> Yeah. Oh it'll be it'll be good. It will be good. I'm super I always that's why I haven't been hunting blacktails the last five or six years, because hunting rep mule deer's way more fun. Just have to say that. You'll see. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> We, we will see. But yeah, we, uh, other than that, like, we've got, still got some hats and shirts on our website. We're going to do a little sale coming up and, uh, clear some of those out to get some new ones and, made. And a giveaway. And a giveaway. We got a bunch of, some of our sponsors of are helping us out. So we got a bunch of stuff coming up. I know we've been kind of, been doing a lot of stuff lately because we've been so darn busy, but. Yeah, we got some good stuff coming up. Heck yeah. Yeah, we got some really good stuff coming down the pipe. Uh, for now, we got a shirt and hat giveaway. We're going to do that on, uh, Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, we're going to be doing a giveaway on Instagram. And if you're not on Instagram, get on Instagram. Check us out. Heck yeah. Um, check us out on, uh, tradquest.com. We've got those shirts and hats and stickers for sale there. Um, that definitely helps support the podcast. Um, yeah, check out Kefaro International. Uh, they got everything you need for shelters, sleeping bags, backpacks, uh, addictive archery. He's got all your archery needs covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody that bow hunts should be a member of Compton Traditional. Heck yeah. Um, those guys are just slaying it. I mean, they, what, what a, what a, I mean, that is the national traditional bow hunting organization and um what a great organization it is i can't say enough uh, great things about it i'm looking forward to going back to michigan so yeah we want to just 
once again, thank the listeners. Um, if you guys got any guests you want to see on the show or uh, questions for us, uh, hit us up on our email, tradquestpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us over on our Instagram account at tradquest. Don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play. And always keep the wind in your face. Pick a spot. Shoot a big old bull this September. Get outside so I 